I want to remind you that we are in the second sermon of this mini-series that we started last Sunday. We'll pick up in Hebrews next Sunday, but today is, is Sermon 2 in the mini-series, The Ultimate Decision 2012. Today's title is The Ultimate Agenda. I want to remind you of the guiding principle we established last Sunday as followers of Jesus Christ. Our ultimate authority is the ultimate king, and our agenda is the king's agenda. And we have hope in that very king. Now Jesus Christ at the end of the Gospel of Matthew talks about his authority and talks about his agenda. He says all authority has been given to me and then he commissions his disciples, the followers of Christ, the church, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so Jesus Christ, the ultimate authority, has made known his ultimate agenda and he has commissioned us as followers of Christ to be making disciples in all nations. And the question we've got to answer this morning in the middle of all that we're facing in our nation right now with all the political agendas, the political jargon and the election coming up on Tuesday is what are we supposed to do as followers of Christ in relation to and under our present government and the government we're going to see take office come uh, Tuesday or Wednesday morning, um, it, be elected into office. So what are we to do? Well, some Christians don't do anything because they don't think it'll matter. You ever heard anybody say that? Some Christians, they uh, decide they want to live godly lives where they are, but they don't get involved in politics whatsoever. Some Christians make complete fools of themselves and create unnecessary enemies wherever they go. Been around people like that? And then there are some who just completely hide from the world. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing? You're hiding from everything. Um, and, and I'm just so thankful that we think about what are we supposed to do in our country at a time like this that the Bible actually does give clear direction. And I'm grateful that we can look to Scripture and we can see what Christ's agenda is for us in our country at a time like this. And so let's look together at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 6. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, for there's one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. This passage clearly encourages us as followers of Christ to make sure that the one thing we do on a day-in and day-out basis is to pray for our governing leaders. We need to pray for them. They need our prayers And God has commanded us to pray for our leaders. I know for me, just seeing this command in Scripture has caused me to evaluate my own life. And to think back over the last four years of this current administration and ask myself the question, has what I have done in the area of prayer for my leaders reflected obedience to this command? And if you're like me, I think you've 
you're going to respond with, I need to grow. I need to grow in this area of praying faithfully for my governing leaders. The scripture commands us to do this and our leaders need it and we should be faithfully responding to the Lord's commands, praying for our governing leaders. The scripture really gives clear direction on how we're to pray for them. Notice he says that we are to pray for them so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We are to pray for them so that if our prayers are answered, the result in our lives is that we are able to live a life of godliness that is free from being hindered in living that godly life by the governing authorities. So the way that we are to pray for our leaders is we are to pray for our government to govern in such a way that they give increasing freedom for the church to carry out the king's agenda. That's how we are to pray for them. We are to spend time and energy and effort laboring in prayer for our governing leaders essentially to fulfill their God-given role. Do you know the God-given role for government over a people? In Romans chapter 13 and in 1 Peter chapter 2, we see passages that give us insight into what God has prescribed for the government and its role over a people. The government is charged by God, created by God, established by God as a governing authority over a people in order to make sure that those who do evil in the society are punished. In other words, the government is supposed to promote good, promote welfare of the people, promote uh, defense of the weak, promote justice, and punish and prevent evil in the society, bringing order instead of disorder. That's the role of the government as established by God. That's what the government is supposed to be doing. And so we need to pray that the government will fulfill its God-given role, which will essentially enable the church to be free with increasing freedom to do exactly what Christ has commanded the church to do. If you notice in this passage here, it gives us this picture that it is good and right for us to pray this way. And the reason it's good and right for us to pray this way, because if the government is fulfilling its role and the church has increasing freedom to carry out the king's agenda, guess what's going to happen? It's, this passage says that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know the means through which God is bringing salvation to all men? It's the proclamation of the gospel through the voice of the church. Now, the, the government is supposed to be legislating in such a way that it's promoting good and preventing evil. So the government is supposed to be at some level promoting and legislating a moral basis in the society. A nation becomes more moral in its behavior when the government is fulfilling its God-given role. But listen, as much as the government may be able to legislate a moral behavior among its people, the government is not been given, has not been given the God-given role of dispensing a message that changes the hearts of the people. The church has that responsibility. 
But listen to this. The church benefits from a government who governs in such a way that the freedom for the church to carry out the agenda is increased. The government is not the answer, but the government can benefit the one who has the answer. And we need to pray for such a government. We need to labor in prayer for such a government. Because it is God's agenda that people in our country be saved. And the avenue through which they will be saved is the message of the gospel from the church. So we need to cry out to the Lord. We need to pray. And if you're like me and you hear that command and you are convicted that you have not been faithfully obedient as God would have you be, I'm just going to encourage you this morning to make a decision to submit to the king's authority and to get on board with his agenda and make a plan this next administration to be faithful in prayer for your governing leaders. They need it. God commands it. And the king's agenda is on the table. And as a church, we need greater freedom to carry out the king's agenda. We need to pray. If Paul were writing this passage to us here in the United States, he would have written, we need to pray and we need to vote. Because we live in a country where the democratic process enables everyone 18 and older to have an equal say in who governs the land. And if it is a command of God that we pray for the right kind of leadership, it just stands to reason that it would also be God's will for us in our country under our process to vote for the right kind of leadership. I've heard people say all kinds of things about their perspective on voting, and particularly this election. I just want to encourage you that when you think about voting in this election, your responsibility before God to vote has to be seen from the vantage point of what you're voting for, not what you're voting against. And I just want you to get in your minds that you're really voting for the king's agenda to be given greater freedom. So the church can do what God wants it to do. That's what we're voting for. So you don't need to think necessarily just about the candidate you're voting against. You don't need to conclude that because there's no one running on the ballot that's just like me, just like what I define as a follower of Christ, I'm not going to vote for anyone. I've heard people say things like, I'm not going to vote in this upcoming election because I can't vote for the president that's there, and I don't want to vote for the guy who's running. I've got no one to vote for. I'm going to tell you, that decision is, is as irrational as a decision not to pray for our governing leaders. We need to make sure that we're voting for the greater freedom for the church to carry out the king's agenda. That's what we're voting for. We're not voting against a candidate. We're voting for what God can do when we're given greater freedom as the church. And so you need to make sure that you're voting for the candidate that provides that potentially greater freedom for the church to exercise the king's agenda. I want to encourage you with the thought that this, that this election has much to do with kingdom issues. 
You think about the issues at stake in this election, and there are many issues that are very important to discuss and to talk about among ourselves. But there are issues involved that are primary. There are issues involved that are secondary. When you think about the primary issues, kingdom issues, those have much to do with how we decide to vote. And there are three such kingdom issues that need our attention this morning. So I want to run through these real quickly with you because I want to give you a frame of reference for how you're voting for the king's agenda to, be ha- to have more freedom. And we're thinking about that in terms of how we vote. So three issues. The first one that's a kingdom issue is the sanctity of life. Now that's a kingdom issue because it's an issue of God-given authority. See, God has given every individual authority that he's granted them to make decisions and exercise their life in response to what he's done. And so we have this God-given authority in life, and the issue of life is a kingdom issue. And honestly, this is an issue that is very, very important to me personally. I was born in 1969. The United States legalized abortion just a couple years after I was born. The reason why that is important to me, because I know that if I was born just a couple years later, that I might not be here today, because my mom was 18 when she got pregnant out of marriage And she was shipped off from her house to a home that cared for unwed moms who were teenagers because society at large didn't really accept them. And had abortion been legal at that time, I don't know for sure that I would still be here today. So this issue of life is incredibly important to me personally. And I just want to encourage us to think about it from a kingdom perspective. In 2013, the budget that's been proposed to Congress by this administration contains a request from the Department of Health and Human Services to eliminate abstinence-funded education. Abstinence education is funded by the government. Eliminate it. This government does not want to fund abstinence education. But this government is funding abortion and research that diminishes the sanctity of life. You know what that tells me? It tells me that our government has lost its direction, has failed in its role, because the government is supposed to be promoting good and preventing evil. In the case of the sanctity of life, the government is actually promoting evil And preventing good. And the government has lost its bearing. And so this is a kingdom issue for us. I don't want to act like this whole perspective on the sanctity of life doesn't take in consideration your individual lives. And I know that it is not unlikely that in a crowd this size that some of you have been personally touched by abortion. Some of you may have had an abortion. Some of you may have a friend or family member that's had an abortion. And I just want you to know that what I'm talking about today has to do with the nation's role, not yours. And I want you to hear that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been affected by, God 
as an answer for you. He has hope and forgiveness. And his agenda is to rescue. It's to rescue. But the reality is that many of you would never even had the opportunity to make the decision if our government had been doing what it was supposed to be doing. This is a kingdom issue. In 2009, our government made a decision to change its policies. Previous to 2009, our government was not funding international non-governmental organizations who actively promote or carry out abortions. They would not fund them. Come 2009, we are fully funding those non-governmental organizations that actively participate in or promote abortion. There's been a fundamental change in the administration. This is a kingdom issue. Now why in the world would we trust someone with our lives as a governing leader who does not demonstrate a concern for the dignity of all life? This is not just an issue of abortion. This is an issue of the sanctity of all life. And if you devalue the the human life at any point, don't think for one second it won't come back to affect you in your life. It will. This is a kingdom issue. When individuals aren't even given the chance to live and decide to follow the king, we have a kingdom issue. This next administration, whoever is elected on Tuesday, could potentially have the opportunity of appointing three Supreme Court justices. And with the right administration in place, the government could reverse their trend and begin to uphold their roles and begin to promote good and prevent evil in the area of the sanctity of life. We could see an overturn of Roe v. Wade if we have the right people in the Supreme Court. This is a kingdom issue. And we need to be a people who pray. The government will carry out its God-given role. And we need to be people, people who do something about it. The second kingdom issue is the issue of marriage. The definition of marriage. Now this is a kingdom issue because it is a divine institution. Created by God. It is the authority of the family. And it is the picture of the gospel that God has given to the society. Marriage, it's a kingdom issue. And again, the government is headed in a direction of being in danger of completely reversing its roles from promoting good and preventing evil to actually promoting evil and preventing good. And I just want to remind you what you all know, that when it comes to marriage, God defined it. It doesn't need to be redefined. And those who are trying to redefine it in our country don't have the credentials of perfection uh, to redefine it. God defined it, he's perfect in his definition of it, and it needs no monkeying around. It's good just the way it is. And and the truth is that the government, in its God-given role, is supposed to make sure that it enforces the definition that God has given of marriage. The government should be promoting this, because the government knows... Everyone knows throughout history that the building blocks of a healthy, strong society are healthy, strong marriages. 
You think about what that means for the church. This is an attack on the freedom of the church to carry out the king's agenda because if families are attacked, then the church will be affected. And we need to be a people who are standing for the king and his agenda. It's pretty interesting to me that the Attorney General, Eric Holman, in 2011, made the decision public that the Department of Justice would no longer defend the, the Defense of Marriage Act that defined marriage as a union, a legal union between a man and woman as husband and wife. So the Department of Justice in our nation is no longer practicing the defense of justice. Do I need to remind you that Eric Holman, the, the Attorney General, is a presidential appointment made during this last administration, this current administration? There are so many appointments that have been made in this administration that are against a kingdom agenda. We have got to be a people that say the kingdom issues are important and we're going to vote for the king and his agenda. The third issue, the third issue is religious freedom. And Barry Creamer has written an article in the SBTC Texan that was very insightful. You ought to take a look at it. It's really encouraging. You get online, look at sbttexas.org, and you can look up his article. It's a great article on religious freedom. Religious freedom is actually the most important issue of these three kingdom issues. Let me tell you why. It's not that the sanctity of life and marriage aren't supremely important. It's that the resolution of those particular issues is one's religious conviction. And if the government is hindering the individual's right to exercise their religious convictions, then we have a problem that's going to hinder the agenda of the king being carried out through the church. This whole concept of religious freedom is paramount. And our government right now, and you probably know this, that our government right now has given plenty of indication that it has lessened the importance of religious freedom. And in the Bill of Rights, the first article talks about that the government will not put into place any law that restricts the establishment of a religious organization, and it will not prevent people from exercising their own religious convictions without hindrance by the government. And yet our government is saying things like, you can't have the Ten Commandments hanging up in certain places. You, you can't do commencement addresses that talk about Jesus because it's offensive. You can't hold up a placard that has a scripture reference on it if you're a cheerleader. I mean, there's tons of examples of how the government is communicating. We are not on board with religious freedom when it comes to the hate crimes legislation that's been, been signed into place by this current administration. That hate crimes legislation protects some groups, but it does not protect other groups. And we fall into the other groups. And what that means is that this new legislation signed in place about hate crimes could become the precursor for government-approved censorship of Christians and churches who stand for the definition of marriage and stand against the freedom of homosexuality to be recognized as the same thing as marriage between a man and a woman. 
I'm just here to tell you that if, if our government begins to authorize censorship in this arena, don't think that it won't be long before we see all-out persecution. This area of religious freedom is critical. You probably know that right now in our nation, the current administration's perspective on the health care issue has caused a major stir in the area of religious freedom. You see, organizations and individuals um, who are employers or providers for employees no longer have the freedom to run their organization according to their convictions. The government is putting in, has put into place certain things that is requiring or providing penalties if these organizations or individual employers are not providing health care that pays for contraceptives and abortion-causing drugs. And there were supposed to be all these additions to the final product, and it didn't come out that way. It came out the way that is a direct attack against religious freedom. I mean, you can do your research, and you can figure all this stuff out for yourself. It's happening right now in our country. There is an attack on religious freedom. And we need to make sure that we are voting for the administration that enables the church to have the greatest freedom to carry out the king's agenda. The guy who's in charge of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, he argued that when it comes to an issue between religious freedom and sexual liberty, that religious liberty should lose. That's another presidential appointment. We need to pray. And we need to vote. And we need to be living according to the king's agenda. We need to pray and vote for life. We need to pray and vote for marriage. We need to pray and vote for religious freedom. The last thing that this passage really encourages us to do is to never lose our hope in Jesus Christ. See, there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God's going to accomplish his agenda. It tells me that the ultimate authority is not on the seat of the White House. He's on the seat next to the Father. And he's going to stay there for eternity. And he's not going to be having to come up for re-election. He's not dealing with a four-term, four-year term limit. He's not going to be subject to any kind of vote. He is sitting on the great seat of authority, and he's going to be there forever. He's going to carry out his agenda. And that means that you and I, no matter what happens, have hope in Christ. He will always save those who trust in him. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen because we know that the one who holds everything is Jesus Christ, our great King. We can trust Him. We can rejoice in Him. And that means that today, our rejoicing in Christ will be just the same as it should be come Wednesday. 
regardless of what happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, our rejoicing should be the same as it is today because our king has not changed and his authority has not changed and his agenda has not changed and his faithfulness has not changed. He is still in control. He is still ruling and he still has agenda to unfold in and through the church. So when we gather again next Sunday, no matter what happens on Tuesday, we can be a people who have great joy, who rejoice and worship our King because He is our only hope. Now let's just say, what happens? What happens if the government continues to move in a direction that's giving less and less freedom to the church to carry out the King's agenda? What happens if the vote we cast on Tuesday does not put in place an administration that gives increasing freedom to the church? And that could be the Democrats or the Republicans. What happens if we put in place the party we think will give greater freedom and it doesn't work out that way? What happens if we put a party in place that we think will not give? However it works out, if it works out in a way that we're saying, what is going on? We're getting less and less freedom as the church. What are we to do? Peter and John were one day walking to the temple in Acts chapter 4. And they encountered a man at the gate of the temple, and they healed him because he was lame. And upon healing him, everyone was going crazy about this healing. And Peter took the opportunity at that point to proclaim the gospel. And he invited people to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And this great work occurred, and the religious political leaders got wind of what was happening. They didn't like it. They went and they arrested Peter and John, and they put them in jail. And they brought them in to tell them, and threatened them uh, with further punishment, and they said, we're commanding you to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said to the political religious leaders, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to do what we're doing, we're going to leave that up to you to judge. See what they said? We respect and understand that you have God-given authority, that your authority is borrowed authority from God, and that you have the responsibility for promoting good and preventing evil. And so however you judge in this matter, we're going to live with that. We understand your role, but if you, if you miss your role, if you start promoting evil and punishing good, and we are direct recipients of that, however you judge, that's your business before God. But it's for us. You know what we're going to do? We're going to keep on doing what Jesus told us to do. Doesn't matter. No matter what, we're going to be about the king's agenda. And if you as our governing leader is, are not fulfilling the God-given role you have, that's not going to stop us from fulfilling the kingdom's agenda. No matter what the government ends up doing, we still have an agenda we must follow. We need to be a people like that. And I fear, I fear that part of the reason we are where we are today is perhaps because the church has not been about the king's agenda as the church should be about the king's agenda. I'm convinced that it's not God's will at this point in our country's existence to suffer under a government that prevents the freedom of religion. 
And the reason I'm convinced of that is because the church still is free to exercise rights to make a difference. Will we be that kind of a church? Each one of you answers that question. And I don't want my kids and my grandkids to suffer in a country that is limiting the freedom of the church to carry out the king's agenda because of something I did as a part of the church right now. There's no question that God can cause suffering under a government that's not fulfilling its role to be a catalyst for the gospel. But that's not what God wants for our country. What God wants for our country right now is for the church to fulfill its God-given role and be this stand for truth. But that means that each one of us have to answer the question of the ultimate decision. Will you submit to the ultimate king? And will you live your life according to his agenda? If you do make that decision today, your victory is ensured forever. It's not tied to any of the political process. It's tied to Jesus Christ. If you make that decision today, your course of action in life is set no matter what. You know, what you do on Tuesday is not what this series has been about. You know what this series has really been about? Whether or not you will take up the king's agenda and spend your life for him. That is the real decision of 2012.